0: I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. World-renowned spiritual leader Deepak Chopra was the inspiration for my trip to India. He was born in New Delhi in 1947. His father was a prominent cardiologist, his mother a homemaker. He began medical school in India and at 22 moved to the United States to continue his studies. He started his practice in Boston, becoming more and more interested in the mind-body connection, eventually giving up his practice to explore this new discipline of alternative medicine, A prolific writer, he's penned 19 bestsellers, selling more than 20 million books worldwide. Time magazine called him one of the top 100 heroes and icons of the 20th century. Can you imagine a more perfect setting to speak with Deepak Chopra than here in Jaipur at City Palace with the exquisite sights and sounds of his homeland all around us? So this is absolutely amazing to me that we get to sit here with the city of jaipur in the background and we met in 1993 that's
1: right i can't remember the book what was the book ageless body timeless mind
0: at the time people thought talking about mind body spirit was in the woo yes. category yes yes, yes and you Knew differently. You were ahead of your time, would you uh, say?
1: I, I had this background, this country's background, yes. this rich spiritual tradition of this country, but I was also feeling it intuitively, just by watching my patients, mm-hmm. and you know, working in emergency rooms and other places. You see people coming in all stages of distress, facing death and so on. So I intuitively knew there was some connection between the mind and the body. So we now see the direct connection between what's happening in the world of thoughts feelings images and the brain and the body and the immune system that's all a single all, process. Connected. all connected now we know that we know that yeah
0: so I wanted to interview you because I think you're one of the great thought leaders of our time and I'm always interested in expanding the way I look at the world and sharing that with everybody else and I was on the phone with my producers and I said so we want to interview Deepak Chopra So they were saying, where should we interview Deepak Chopra? And then I had an aha moment. I said, why don't we interview Deepak Chopra in India? And then everybody went, yes! And that's how this came about. That is why I'm here. now where
1: we are, by the way, where we are, a couple of hundred miles is where I spent a lot of my childhood.
0: And does it always feel like coming home? Or do you feel more home in the United States now?
1: i feel at home anywhere in the world right now really? <laughs> because i'm all over the place but yeah when i come here the assault on the senses you know Oof. the smells and the colors look at the colors mm-hmm. like you're wearing now mm-hmm. just look around here yeah. the textures the fragrance it just evokes such powerful memories i of would say
0: you're absolutely. that's exactly how i felt on the way here to do this interview i saw a woman riding on a motor scooter in a pink sari With her legs to the side because they can't ride straddled. In the side, I saw three oxen in the street. Uh, It's
1: it's India. It's India. Paradox and contradiction.
0: What's interesting to me, though, riding through the streets of Mumbai, riding through the streets of Agra, riding through the streets of Jaipur, there is sort of a there there. It's chaotic to a foreigner, but there seems to be a flow that everybody else is in. That they, uh, there's an underlying flow of calmness because nobody else seems agitated, nobody's, you know, yelling at each other. Nobody. There's a calmness to even, the chaos.
1: Even in the midst of abysmal conditions sometimes.
0: And why is that?
1: Partly because India, despite all its trials and tribulations, and its very violent uh, past, you know, people have come here now since Genghis Khan, since the Persians, the Moghals, the uh-huh. U- Europeans. No matter what has happened, India has been sustained by its spiritual essence. In fact, it absorbed the foreigners and made them Indian.
0: What is India's spiritual essence?
1: India's spiritual essence is a living mythology. It's a living historical connection To its great teachers in about time and space and causality and karma and connection to the spirit the unbounded consciousness and it has sustained this country through thousands of years
0: is it because essentially in every conversation I've had everyone says that there is an underlying consciousness of karma and therefore there is relatively little crime. That's why when we're walking down the street, you don't sense that you're going to be harmed. No. And so people live that. People live that here. They they live the principle of karma that what you're putting out is going to come back. So if I do something to you, the energy of that is going to come back to me. That is the thing that has impressed me the most. They don't just talk it, that it's part of their actions. And you're Am, am taught, I correct?
1: You're absolutely correct. And you're taught that there are certain qualities that make you a divine human being. And these qualities are joy, wow. love, love, compassion, equanimity, truth, goodness, beauty, uh-huh. harmony. And at the core of this, they use three words, sat, chit, ananda. So sat means the truth. Yes. Chit means, literally means consciousness. And ananda means joy. Joy. So if you're connected to truth and joy and consciousness, you're all set.
0: And that's what people believe and act on.
1: Yes, by and large. Yes, and that by and large, yeah. You're speaking in general. And we have over a billion people. so That's a know, lot. A lot of people. So there's all kinds of diversity. But that's the culture, yes. So you you said to my
0: producers when they were coming here, I thought that was really great advice, and I took it too, that when you get to arrive in India, learn to move with the flow.
1: You have to. Yes. Because there's another aspect of it which says, in the movement towards enlightenment, and we can talk about that later, but in the movement towards enlightenment, where you are is the point of arrival. So... You know, in America, for example, okay, we're always thinking. Lost think- me there. Yeah, because okay. in in the way we are educated in the West, there's yeah. always some point of arrival. Yes. Right. Yes. So everybody is looking for the future, future, and they're never in the present. Mm-hmm. So when they arrive at the future, it's not there for them because not that they're not present for it. So Got if it. you get the idea that this is the moment that you have, it's the only moment that you have then you live in the present and you move with the flow because oh, yeah. this is the point of arrival right now.
0: So let's talk about how you came to be Deepak, the the man that we know, the man who made spirituality accessible to millions of people in the United States and throughout the world. How did that happen?
1: My mother was a very spiritual person mm-hmm. and she uh, taught me even as a child about the law of attraction, intention, what we now call synchronicity, Talked talk me about consciousness. She would of course couch it in mythical stories. My father being an army doctor and trained in England, a cardiologist. So he was very Western, she was very Eastern. I grew up confused because I went to a Catholic school mm-hmm. and then I went to medical school and medical school I experimented a little bit with LSD and things like that. And I had a glimpse of other states of consciousness also the idea that the world is the picture of the world is not the look of it it's our way of looking at it Mm -hmm. so
0: drugs as a mind altering experience for you became a a spiritual experience
1: in medical school yes did it only once or twice Mm -hmm. and it was enough to give me that glimpse after medical school in the US two things happened to me one was that i was studying neuroendocrinology the connection between consciousness what happens in the brain what happens to the body we were discovering these molecules of emotion so i knew there was a connection and then as a physician anyone will tell you you can have two patients who have exactly the same illness they see the same doctor they get the same treatment and they can have completely different outcomes. So I knew there was, you know, this is not just a machine. We are being trained as superb, This meaning the body. The body. Yes. We get to be trained as superb technicians who know everything about the physical machine, but we are lousy healers because we don't understand the soul or the spirit. So it was not just the body and the mind. There was a deeper consciousness that we were missing deeper altogether. Deeper consciousness
0: meaning spirit. Yes. So correct. let's talk about what your definition of spirituality means. Because I have been, I wouldn't say attacked, but certainly criticized in the past every time you bring up the word. People have their own ideas about what it means and people think you're trying to tell them to, to, to abandon their religion or that their religion isn't the way. For me, spirituality is living with an open heart and an open way of awakening yourself to the full consciousness of who you are that is what i mean when i say spirituality what do you mean
1: about the same thing as you just said if you look at the original spiritual or you might even say religious experience yes that, say jesus had or yes. buddha had or any of the great teachers rumi had there are three things that come out one is an experience of transcendence and the simplest way to say transcendence is unity consciousness where you feel that you're one with all that exists it's not you know when jesus says i and the father are one i'm in you you are in me that is, in fact, the unified field of existence where we are not only connected, but we're inseparably one. Now, that is couched in different traditions, in different languages because of the culture Mm -hmm. and the geographical location and the language, but that's a universal experience. We call it unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing in all religions is what comes out of that unity consciousness. Because you feel connected, you feel love automatically. It's not because you have to feel love, it's your nature. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't help but feel love. You feel compassion, you feel joy, you feel equanimity. So that's the second, the morality or the ethics that emerges from the experience. And the third, which is very common also in all religious experience, is the loss of the fear of death, because you've touched a part of yourself Mm. that is beyond space and time. And you know, in India they say that part of you, water cannot wet it, wind cannot dry it, fire cannot burn it, weapons cannot shatter it. It's beyond space and time, it's the real you. And today we call that pure consciousness.
0: Pure consciousness, so do you have no no fear of death? No. You have no fear of
1: death? No. Because we die all the time. I'm not the kid I was, that kid is dead, right? Your cells die every few days so new ones can be born. Everything has to recycle or reincarnate, as we say. Yes. So let the past die because it's gone. It doesn't exist. This is the only moment. And at this very moment, there's birth and death happening all the same time. That's why you go with the flow, too.
0: So when your physical body is gone and the last breath in this body is gone, where do you think you go?
1: Look at this room, right? Yes. If the walls collapse and the building collapse, what happens to the space in the room? Nothing. It's still there. It's still there. The room is given shape by these walls. Yes. The simplest answer is you don't go anywhere. You're there right now and that's where you go right this moment to fetch your memories, to fetch your thought, to fetch your creativity, imagination, insight. Intuition, all the things that we you call You just drop the body. Fact, you just drop the body. You stop using this instrument for communication. Yeah. It's you a know, communication. It's instrument. so
0: interesting because um, I lost my beloved Sophie, who was my cocker spaniel for years, and I was I was sad for a day, and then I tried to put into practice everything that I thought I believed about.
1: And she's in your consciousness right now, yes, right? Yes, yeah. I and could... when she was alive, she was in your consciousness too.
0: Yes, but it's interesting that after she died, I could feel her more deeply. How is that?
1: Because you went inward where she always was. Oh, okay. you're gonna make
0: me cry. Where
1: yeah. she always was. Yeah.
0: Where she always was.
1: Yeah, we live in each other.
0: So everyone who's ever lost a loved one you're saying that their loved one didn't go anywhere. They're right here, right now,
1: and a part of you somehow. As a part of you. We're all inseparably part of each other. We all coexist in each other. Yeah. See, the very simple analogy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a wave, there's the ocean, and there's the depths of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. It's all one. Okay, so you have a personal soul, a personal identity, but then that personal identity is part of a collective identity mm-hmm. because you That's the you, ocean. That's the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then there's the depth of the ocean from where it's all coming. And it's all all a part of you. All part yeah.
0: of you. Yeah, and we are all, as I see it, we are all little waves and ripples in the ocean Absolutely. that I belong to. So if you take a cup out of the ocean, there you are a part of the ocean with all that the ocean has. As yes. you were saying, you can see yourself as the cup or you can see yourself as as a, the ocean. As a whole A ocean. shift
1: in perspective. When
0: did you get that? Because once you get that, your whole life changes. It does. Yes.
1: So yeah, I don't know. I, when I started meditation and I met my teachers, of which I had several, including Maharishi Maheshogi, who was the original teacher of the Beatles. That's how I met George Harrison, actually that's how we became friends, Um, we actually spent long hours in meditation. We got to realize that there's a body, there's a mind, but there's soul consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then when you get in touch with the soul consciousness, you become aware that other people also have a soul and you communicate with that. And then you realize that there you're both part of a more divine realm and that's called divine consciousness. And then you can go even deeper into that in what is called unity consciousness, where you realize that we are all inseparably one. All the artificial, all the separation is totally artificial.
0: So now I heard you always wanted to be a writer, is that true? Yes. And now I hear it come so easily to you. Is it true that you wrote The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success on a plane ride?
1: From Singapore to. Melbourne actually. And then that was on new. the
0: bestseller's list for a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's like it's laws to live by.
1: It's like the law of least effort, which most people find difficult to understand. Least effort. Do less and accomplish more. Mm-hmm. And ultimately do nothing and accomplish everything. Because what it means is if you're rested, if your mind is in peace and if you're full of love and compassion, if you come from being and then feeling and then self-reflection, then things will synchronistically fall into place because that's how nature functions, like a seed. Yes. In every seed is the promise of thousands of forests. So like that in your karm- karmic so seed. So to have the
0: desire means you can accomplish Otherwise it.
1: you wouldn't have the desire.
0: That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I just got that in a bigger way. I mean, obviously, I've read the book. And, and the law the of
1: detachment. We say if you really want something in the physical universe, let go of it. Let go of it. Yeah.
0: I learned that with the color purple. That was my big moment. To, I wanted it so badly, so badly, so badly. And then the moment I could say, all right, I'm going to let it go. Right. Somebody else can get it. That's the moment that it came to me. Yeah. Right. That's when I learned that. That was a major lesson.
1: Yeah.
0: I understand that the passing of your father was a holy moment. Mm. Tell me why.
1: My father was one of the most extraordinary people in the world. He was uh, 85 when he passed on. He was um, a teacher and a cardiologist and an extremely, extremely, um, what should I say, sacred being. When I was growing up, and I said a few Mm -hmm. hundred miles from here, he would first see his patients, then he would come and tell my mother about the serious ones, and then they would pray together for the patient. Wow. On two days of the week, out of seven days, he saw patients free and they came all from all over the India to see him. And then you know my mother would cook food for the patients mm-hmm. and then make sure that they have enough money for their bus or their train ticket to go home. And when they left then at night they would pray for the patients again when we left jabalpur which is a few hundred miles from here because my father was in the army and we were posted you know he's posted by the way you know what is that is prayers? Those yes prayers? that's the call to prayer in the okay, in prayer. a mosque okay
0: that's wonderful
1: so we left on the train i remember i was 9 years old there were 10000 people on the platform to say goodbye and everyone was crying that wow. was my father, and my mother, by the way. Wow! And my father died very peacefully. Fully. You know, he said, um, "It's my last day. I'm leaving," and he closed his eyes. and It's called Mahasamadhi, which means the big meditation. And he said goodbye to everyone, and that's how he left.
0: He said, "This is my last day."
1: Yeah, he knew somehow.
0: Wow. So uh, the father-son relationship is often very complex. What did your father teach you that you now use with Gotham?
1: My father taught me to always express yourself and your unique talents with love and compassion. That he was did. the most important thing. You pass and that on to son? I pass son. on to my son Gotham, and Gotham used to, you know, when he was growing up, he used to only read comic books. Mm-hmm and my wife would worry about the fact that you know he's not getting good grades and I said to him don't worry one day he'll have a comic book company and he'll hire a mathematician to be his accountant that's exactly what happened he <laughs> really? now owns a comic book company he does video games produces movies all kinds of things which is exactly what dharba means you have unique gifts focus on the gifts don't focus on the weaknesses because there are other people who complement your weaknesses and you'll complement this.
0: Do you believe everyone has a gift? Yes. Otherwise you
1: wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here and that gift is when you're expressing yourself in that unique way and giving out your gifts you lose track of time.
0: So we don't hear a lot about uh, Rita. Yes. I met her last night. I mean I thought she She's is, is real. She's the anchor of my life. <laughs> She's the anchor. How has she impacted or influenced
1: you? She's one of the most amazing people in that she has the highest self-esteem. Because it's not easy to live with a guy who's always in the limelight, mm-hmm. who's always on television, who people are always wanting to take pictures with. She doesn't, she has such self-esteem that she's never insecure. And that, I've learned that from her, that, you know, she has true self-esteem. You know there's a difference between self-esteem and self-image. And the reason people have all this plastic surgery is they've actually forgotten themselves and they're identifying themselves with their self-image. Ooh, that's a really good point. The real self within you is beneath no one. Yes. And that's true of everyone. It's beneath no one. It's immune to criticism and it's fearless. And that's what we should be teaching our children. In fact, this is something I teach children, I say, Look in the mirror and look at your eyes and just say to yourself, I'm beneath no one, I'm fearless and I'm immune to criticism. And look for the shine in your eyes because your eyes will shine when you recognize the truth of that. Mm -hmm. And you should see these children suddenly start to walk tall, their body language changes, their eyes sparkle because they see the truth of their inner conviction. Do not confuse your image with yourself. Your self-image is what other people think of you, and yourself is what you think of you.
0: We live in a culture, particularly in the United States, where people are obsessed with stopping their aging process, you know, to the point where I think I've been in interviews with people who were so pulled back and so Botox and it had so much plastic surgery that their face didn't move. So, do you believe that you can change your age if you change your perception
1: more than perception but yes there are 10 really very specific things that you can do to change your biological age your biological age means your blood pressure your bone density skin thickness number mm-hmm. of wrinkles hearing mm-hmm. immune function and these are one is perception think of your body as an energy field rather than as flesh okay and monitor your energy. The more you can feel that your energy is always at its ideal high state yeah. because you've rested and yes. all of that. you got to have so rest. Yeah, yeah, you've got to have rest. So think of your body as an it's energy, energy field. field. Change your relationship with time because, you know, if you're always in a hurry, then your biological clock will speed up. People who are saying, I'm running out of time, mm-hmm. their blood pressure goes up, their heart rate speeds up, their platelets get jittery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when they suddenly drop dead of a heart attack, they've literally run out, out of, of time. time. Yes. So change your perception of time. Change your perception of aging. Say to yourself every day, in every way, I'm increasing my physical and mental capacity. Because you can. You can increase your mental capacity by being aware and learning and curious. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a saying, people don't grow old, when they stop growing, they become old. So keep growing all Ooh, the time. Oh, that's good. Oh, you're okay. we'll
0: quote a minute. That's
1: <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, so that's perception. Yes. But then there are other things, and that is, we've talked about rest, meditation, mind-body coordination, love people fall in love their biological age decreases yes okay sustain so the state of love all the time
0: yeah i saw somebody okay. who was in his seventies fell in love and became like a seventeen yeah. year old boy exactly again. it was unbelievable yeah, yeah exactly have you meditated every day of your life for
1: years for forty years do
0: yes. you ever not meditate
1: no and i also try and live in the meditative state, state. state all yeah. the time yeah. so you know i never And I can say this honestly, I'm not kidding. I never react anymore. So you can't get me upset. Really? No matter what you do.
0: Really? What do you you do?
1: I watch myself. And now it's automatic. So, you know, if anybody says, what people think of me is none of my business.
0: So you know, people love to criticize you, particularly in the early years. They love to criticize you. Less you and were, less now. Yes, less and less now because people are getting that the integrated process of of spiritual and traditional actually works. But when in the beginning, how did you handle your critics?
1: I not well in the beginning. I did not handle my critics well. I became resentful. I sometimes counterattacked them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I debated. I would get upset. And then I started following the rule I just said before reacting, Mm -hmm. observe your reaction to react, and I started observing it. And then, you know, I read the statement uh, from Mr. Nelson Mandela, and uh, it changed me forever. He said, having a resentment against someone is like drinking poison and thinking it will kill your enemy. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that. So would you
0: say at this point in your... as a being here on Earth, you have had the ego in check
1: under control? I think so, but you'd have to ask my kids and my wife about that because, you know, they would uh, have a more objective assessment. But I haven't had an argument Mm -hmm. in my family for 30 years. Wow.
0: Is there an area of your life where you are yet still as a spiritual thought leader becoming more awakened and more conscious? Are you still growing?
1: Yes, yes. I'm beginning to understand the limitations now uh, of the scientific mind because I was so convinced of the way science works and how science gives us mm-hmm. an accurate picture of the world. But you know, science now is totally bewildered by the nature of our consciousness. If you ask the neuroscientists, where does thought come from? Mm -hmm. What is the source of imagination, or creativity, or intention, or free will, or choice? The answer is, we don't know. So the more we know about the brain, the less we know about consciousness. Which is amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That only our consciousness can understand consciousness. Only our soul can understand soul.
0: Who's been your greatest teacher or teachers? Who or what?
1: These days, my greatest teacher is my own inner silence. Really? If I want to know something, I go into silence. I still go into silence. I went to monastery in uh, Thailand and became a monk for a month. I went begging for my food, shaved my head. You I did that last silence, year, right? Yes, and we used to meditate from midnight to four in the morning on our personal death. You know. And what? We used to meditate on death. And the reason was to recognize From midnight
0: to four in the morning. Yeah, and
1: then we'd go take a bath in the water in the stream because there were no showers. And then we go begging on the streets and then we What used was to-
0: that like for you?
1: Oh, it was so beautiful because you know you felt that people when you touch your own humility and you'd shed all your social masks that so you, you shaved find- your
0: head. I know you sent me a picture.
1: Yeah. I shaved my head. Which I didn't recognize. Yeah. I shaved my head. I was barefoot, you know. And I told my head monk, who was half my age, he said, how was it walking on the streets? I said, it hurts, because I never walked on the forest and the streets without shoes. And he says, you know, it hurts on the foot that's down. And then the foot that's up, the lift one, that feels really good. Focus on that one. And wow. I did that, you know. And I realized <laughs> that all pain and pleasure is where you put your attention. Wow. Okay, the simple things, you know. And meditating on death, it made me realize that whatever I'm looking at is going to be gone. The way what I'm seeing, and sorry to say this, but you know, a hundred years from now, nobody here will be there. You and I won't be there, and this world will go on, and sunshine will be there, and sun will rise, and morning will. Blossom and spring will come. So when you recognize the impermanence of this particular body mindset, it immediately throws into the present. So That's
0: gotta be the most I mean just hearing you describe it sounds like the most humbling experience, especially coming from where you and I come from. You live in the Americanized world but where it's
1: you have sobering, isn't yes, it? It takes you out of the melodrama into sobriety. Sobering. I mean it it, really if I were
0: placed sense. in a position where I now have to go out on the street and beg for food and have to be humbled to the position of not having control over everything. It's got to be sobering and humbling. Did it change you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: It made me more, this is what we learned on the last day, I mean with all my books. Yes. Everything I've written. This is what the monk said to me on the last day. He says, the most important time in your life is now. The most important person in your life is the one you're looking at right now the most important thing that you can do in your life is what you're doing now the best way to prepare for the future is to be totally present now, now. and he says forget all your learnings just remember that now is the moment that never ends Ooh, and, I love that. you know I left with that simple lesson so uh, that's how I live
0: what is your heart's greatest desire?
1: to see a peaceful just sustainable healthy and happier world
0: and do you think that your purpose in bringing that about is being fulfilled
1: i think we're reaching it's not just me i mean what you're doing and what's happening right now thanks to the extended mind that we have i think we're seeing an acceleration towards that and i see all the turbulence in the world, whether it's Occupy Wall Street or the Arab Spring or the social movements that are cropping up everywhere or the trend towards spirituality moving in that direction. I think it may not happen in my lifetime, may not even happen in my children's lifetime, but it'll happen.
0: Okay, I just want you to finish these sentences. Life is
1: A FIELD OF INFINITE POSSIBILITIES AND AN OPPORTUNITY TO EVOLVE IN THE DIRECTION OF TRUTH, GOODNESS, BEAUTY AND HARMONY.
0: THE WORLD NEEDS
1: MORE COMPASSION AND LOVE.
0: I BELIEVE IN
1: THE DIVINITY OF ALL LIFE.
0: LOVE IS
1: THE ULTIMATE TRUTH AT THE HEART OF CREATION. IT'S NOT A SENTIMENT OR AN EMOTION is the fact that we're all the same being in different disguises.
0: Modern medicine must...
1: Learn to look at the soul and not just the body.
0: I want to thank...
1: I want to thank all the people who have given me so much love without my even asking for it.
0: The person I most want to be proud of me is...
1: My children and my grandchildren and uh, their grandchildren.
0: I am ready to forgive.
1: I have already forgiven.
0: I want my legacy to be.
1: A passing breeze, a pattern of behavior of the universe that came and is now gone, but the fragrance lingers.
0: What is the soul?
1: The soul is the core of your being. It is eternal. It doesn't exist in space-time. It's a field of infinite possibilities, infinite creativity. It's your internal reference point with which you should always be in touch. Because your, your, your soul is not in your body, your body is in your soul. Your mind is in your soul. The whole universe is in your soul. And your soul is part of the universal consciousness.
0: What is your definition of God?
1: God is infinite being that becomes the universe. God doesn't create the universe, God becomes the universe. Like a mother gives birth to a baby, Mm -hmm. God gives birth to the universe. God is the source of space, time, energy, information and matter. But God is the evolutionary impulse of the universe. God is infinite creativity, infinite love infinite compassion, mm. infinite caring.
0: I think that's a great definition. I've never heard that. And it's really, you know, everybody says something different, but I have to tell you, the evolutionary impulse yes. of the universe.
1: that's God. yes. Yeah.
0: Have you always considered yourself to be a spiritual person, or was there an aha moment that changed that for you?
1: In childhood, it was a fact just being with my parents and who were so spiritual. In medical school, I lost it. Okay, in residency, I lost it. And it came back as an aha moment when I was in the emergency room and I used to say, see patients facing the moment of death. And I said, that's not a way to die. You should die in peace. And it suddenly was the aha moment that the only way you can die in peace is when you're in touch with that place which is always at peace what Jesus said the peace that passes understanding
0: What do you believe is the purpose of life?
1: The purpose of life is the progressive expansion of happiness uh, the ability to love and have compassion the ability to touch, uh, be in touch with the creative source inside you the ability to fulfill worthy goals and to follow the evolutionary impulse of the universe.
0: What is the secret to a happy life?
1: Well, the secret to a happy life is to recognize that no matter what the situation is, there's a creative opportunity in it. Uh, The secret to a happy life is also finding meaning and purpose in your life to make a contribution. And ultimately the secret is to make other people happy.
0: What do you know for sure? Nothing. (laughs) After all this talk.
1: (laughs) Well, how can you be sure? This is the best you know, right? And then 10 years from now, you realize that what you knew then is not what you know now. I mean, that's the nature of the universe. What you see as the visible universe out there, with its 175 billion galaxies, billions of stars, trillions of planets, is 0.01% of what exists out there. So there's the known, there's the unknown, and there's the unknowable, in principle unknowable. So, you know, if that doesn't make you feel humble, I don't know what will.
0: But the question is then, if there's all of that and all of the unknown and all of the...
1: Unknowable.
0: unknowable, how is it that we matter?
1: We do, because without us, the universe would remain unmanifest. We are the consciousness that makes the universe manifest. <laughs>
0: well, I have to thank you, because had it not been for whatever this connection you and I have, whatever soul connection. soul connection you and I have, I would not have had the opportunity for this experience in this way.
1: And we have to come back here. We have
0: to come back. Because yes. we've just started to tell the Namaste. story. Namaste. Namaste. That's great. That was good. That's I'm great. so happy. I'm Oprah Winfrey.